Good morning, everyone. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Good morning. I like to declare this. This is the day that the Lord has made. And therefore, we will rejoice and be glad in it. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, thank you for an opportunity to be together, to sing praise, to pray, and to just have fellowship, but also to come around your word. Now I ask that you will help me to communicate something of divine truth. Amen. Amen. Okay, I've got a question. I know it's an intelligent congregation, so you're all going to get this. I mentioned the play, The Importance of Being Earnest. The Importance of Being Earnest. A play by? Correct. Look at this, top of the class. A play about what? <laughs> yeah, called Earnest. Yeah. Okay, the, uh, the Importance of Being Earnest. A trivial comedy for serious people by Oscar Wilde. I don't want to talk to you about the importance of being earnest, but I do want to talk to you this morning about the importance of centrality. Now, you've probably never heard anybody talk about centrality before, and you say, what's that got to do with the Bible? Well, we'll see in a moment, shall we? But, you know, centrality is tremendously important. I drove here yesterday, and I'm so glad that some of the roads, if not most of the roads, had a white line down the middle which was able to tell me the central part of the road. Sometimes when you're living in the country and you go down country lanes, there's no central reservation, there's no central line, and you wonder exactly where you are. My wife, she often drives on the wrong side of the road because there's no white line. I'm only saying that because she's not with me today. But you know what I mean? The Did you know that the central part of your body, your backbone, is tremendously important? If it's out slightly, the pain is there, you can get bent over. Centrality, centrality. Now I'm saying that because actually we here at the church believe in a book called the Bible. And actually even the word Bible doesn't mean book. It means book of books. Because contained in the Bible are something like 66 different books. And those books were written over a period of something like 1,400 years, uh, 1,500 years by 40 people. Uh, it's uh, 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. You probably wouldn't realize this, but it's got 1,189 chapters in this book of books. What a book. Uh, this book actually has got 31,000 and 102 verses contained within it. This, this book of books, the Bible that we believe in, has got 775,000 words. And central to the book of books is the book of Psalms. So if you want to know where the book of Psalms is, all you do is you try and find the middle of the Bible, open it up, and you will be in the book of Psalms. And central to the book of Psalms is the central chapter in the whole of the Bible. It's Psalm 118. And central to Psalm 118, which is the central verse in the whole of the Bible, 
is tremendously important and it says this. It is better to trust in God than to put your confidence in man. Or the other version, the NIV version puts it. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Isn't that an amazing verse? You've probably never ever realized that central to the whole of the Bible and central to what we're talking about this morning is this verse. That actually to put our confidence in God is far better than to put it in man. I don't know what your confidence is like in man at the moment with some of the politicians. I don't know whether you're pro-Brexit or anti-Brexit. I don't know whether you're pro-Boris or anti-Boris. Pro-Donald Trump or anti-Donald Trump. I know this, that there's some people that will put their trust in those kind of people. But I prefer to put my trust in the Lord. And they both are probably very good men and probably do great things. But actually, it doesn't matter who it is, the central thing, the absolute peak thing, is this teaching in the Bible that all of us need to put our trust in God more than we do in man. My brother here is, is at his operation, he's had his gallstones out, gallbladder out as well, was it? Gallbladder out as well. Gallbladder, the old surgeon there, you have to put a bit of trust in him. But beyond all of <laughs> and you've got to put your trust in a robot soon, dear me. But I tell you this, beyond all of that, there is a greater confidence that although we like the skills of the surgeon and the doctor, when we go in a plane and we put our confidence and trust in the pilot, actually beyond all of that, we live our lives as Christians who have a greater confidence that there is one that is for us, not against us, who is the sovereign Lord. And no matter what happens... In our lives, we are to put our confidence and our trust in God. Will someone say amen? amen? Now, it's with that kind of thought, and I'd love to actually zero in on that verse, but I'm going to take it off in slightly a different tangent this morning. And what I want to do is say that when we get God as central to our lives, there are certain things that therefore ought to be evidenced and seen in our churches, in this church, and in our lives as Christians. So really we're looking at what is it that is to be central most of all in our lives. And what I want to tell you is this, that in the book of Acts chapter 2, it talks about a day when people were gathered and there came the sounds of a mighty rushing wind and it's called the day of Pentecost. And it says on the day of Pentecost, there appeared to this group of people cloven tongues as of fire. I want to say that the fire of God is to be a central factor in our lives if we're to get the best out of life. I, I've been a Christian for a long, long time. And I don't hear a lot of preaching on it now. I don't hear a lot of teaching on it. But actually, when I was a young man, we used to talk an awful lot about the fire of God. The day of Pentecost. A day when people were gathered. They were waiting on God. They wanted something to happen. And Beacon Church now wants something to happen. I'm going to tell you a key factor in it. It's when we make central to our lives, to our services... 
and to everything we do, an understanding as to the need for the power and the person of the Holy Spirit, as symbolized in the day of Pentecost, by fire. Actually, you can have preachers that stand here. It can be Pastor Sujith or it can be Pastor Grayson. When Grayson comes, you had Andy with you and you've got John today. And, and you can have preachers that stand here. It could be Mark, it could be Pete, it could be anybody at all who are very good oratorically. They might be good fundamentally. They can be good homiletically or philosophically, even theologically. But I tell you this, we've got to be Pentecostal. We've got to understand that actually one of the things that we prayed for when we were in that room earlier on is that actually we would be hidden behind Christ. This service isn't about John speaking. This is about somehow us making room for there to be an evidence as to the person and the power of God in this place. That, that again, there would be something of central to it all, Jesus being exalted. Jesus, uh, through all of the songs, did you notice? It wasn't about us, it was about him. And a response then to us that we would uh, worship him and thank him in all things. Central to our preaching, central to our personal walk, central to our practices and lifestyles has got to be the fire of God. You know, there's something lovely about Burris and Edmonds. I'll tell you what it is. There's a Baptist church and there's a Methodist church and there's an Anglican church and there's a Salvation Army, perhaps, I don't know. Evangelical churches, certainly, and charismatic churches, great. And we want to pray for them and thank God for them. But Beacon Church recognizes that central is the fact that there is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that we want to be a community that recognizes the fire of God. That there's a dimension that is outside of the ordinary and that we recognize that that is God working in power. So what happens then? What kind of people should we be? And what kind of church should this be if we're going to experience the fire of God being central to everything? I want to say, first of all, that it should be filled, therefore, this church with passion and with power. I like the word passion. I mean, I'm an old age pensioner, but let me tell you, I've still got a bit of passion. I think the passion is not just to do with a sexual activity of passion in that way, but it's about our lifestyle. I'm passionate about the team that I support. I'm passionate about wanting the best for you. I'm passionate kind of person. And I think passion is important. And actually, there are two dimensions of passion that ought to be central in our lives. We ought to have a passion, number one, for the Lord Jesus Christ. That actually, when we gather together, it's the Lord that is so important. When was the last time that you was moved to tears because of the passion within you for the Lord Jesus Christ? When was the last time that you were more passionate about him than what he could do for you? That song, I hadn't heard it before, that one you know about it, I, I will praise the Lord or whatever. It, I know it was thanking the Lord no matter what, whatever it happened, that God would be first and foremost. I think there's something very wonderful about that. Are you filled with a passion for the Lord Jesus this morning? It's going to make a difference. But not only should we be filled with a passion for the Lord, we've got to be a filled with a passion for the lost. 
It is not. And I've said this before and I'll keep saying it as long as I keep coming. This church is not about you. It's not about me. It's about the people that don't yet belong. On the way here, I passed, of course, where Teresa works. So I thought, oh, I could do with a cup of tea. And it was half past nine. I knew they opened at half nine. And so I pulled in and I went up and I had me cup of tea. I just sat there and had me cup of tea in there. Lovely. Paid for it. Thank you. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll get myself a paper so that on the way home I'll stop somewhere and be able to read the paper. I took my paper and I said to the lady, morning, thank you. She says, no good, you can't pay for that here. I looked around. She said, we don't open until 10 o'clock. I thought, well, I'm standing in the shop. I said, 10 o'clock? She says, no, can't get anything here until 10 o'clock, can't pay. I said, I've, I've, I've been upstairs and had a cup of tea. Don't know how you did that? Oh, they're a different franchise. Not here, though, and turned away. She was very rude. So I put my daily mail down and walked out. You know what? The Lord Jesus really loves that lady. I don't know. She might have had a rough night. <laughs> she could have all kinds of things going on in her heart and life and it might just be a tough day for her. Who knows? You see, anybody that we come in contact with, it doesn't matter who it is whether they upset us or whether they're not pleasant or whether they're just... We never know what's going on fully. But I'll tell you this, it doesn't matter who they are, God's love is extended to them. And there's got to be something about us whereby it doesn't matter who it is that we love the lost. We've got to have a passion for the lost. Now, I, I suppose my first initial reaction wasn't very good. The stick your plate. But as I've thought about it, I don't think Jesus would have done that. You know what I'm saying. We should be filled. If we've got the fire of God and it's central to our lives, then we've got to have a love for the Lord. And we've got to have a love for the lost. And I said we've got to be filled with both passion and power. And power. Our lives should be lived, not naturally, but supernaturally. They ought to be lived at the dimension of recognising that actually... We only get one. The older we get, doesn't it go quicker, don't you reckon? Dear me, it's, they tell you this, the older you get, the quicker the time goes. I'm telling you something, it, it only seems a few days ago that it was kind of Thursday. <laughs> How quickly this year's gone. So let's live every day with not only a passion for the Lord and a passion for the lost, but also live it powerfully enjoying every kind of second, if that's at all possible. Since I last saw you, we went on a family holiday to Crete. Fourteen of us. Fourteen. It was a busy time, but how precious. I want every day to kind of be like that. I want to enjoy today. I'll be travelling home. Got a little chat afterwards, having a sandwich and a cup of tea, and then I'll be travelling home. Could take five hours, who knows? Really doesn't matter. I want to enjoy that journey. There's got to come something about Beacon Church whereby central is the fire of God that does something within us that we begin to live our lives filled with passion and with power. And not only that, I'm going to tell you something about the church. And Suji isn't here, but he wouldn't mind me saying this. The church should be full of life, liberty and love. 
What do I mean by that? Some churches I go to, they are so deadly that there's more life in a morgue. You go in and nobody speaks to you. You think that when they're singing about the joy of the Lord, that they're telling lies because they go, Jesus is the joy of living. He's the greatest one I know. Not even a smile. And you go to some churches whereby there is absolutely no evidence of the joy of the Lord. And yet you spoke about it this morning. It's important. Some people are so miserable and they grumble and they moan and they're bitter and they're twisted. The Bible talks about having the oil of gladness. All of us could think of something to be concerned about today. Some of you have come in with perhaps worries and anxieties and everything like that. We don't want to belittle those. But when, when central to us is that we're taking our refuge and our confidence is in the Lord even more than man, it means that everything takes second place to that central thing. And it means, therefore, that we can enter into our churches full of life. You can change the name of the church... Don't mean a great deal, you know, in itself. You can start to have a lot more flashy lights. You can have greater music. You can have a trendy leader. Well, you've got a pretty trendy leader. He even looks trendy on the, on the picture, doesn't he? Eh? How does he do that? He, he looks good even on a film. Dear me. You can have good preaching, big crowds, and large offerings. And I like all of the things that I'm talking about. But let me tell you, without the fire of God... And without something of the life of God, it really doesn't count for anything. The changing of a name in itself is not what it's about. It's the changing of a culture so we begin to realise why we're here, what the church is really all about. I'm talking about gathering so that we hear the sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. I'm talking about seeing the sight of cloven tongues of fire. I'm talking about speaking in new and heavenly languages. I'm talking about singing of the hymns and spiritual songs. I'm talking about the supernatural manifestations of God with the performing of signs and wonders of miracles. Let's start believing that the life of God is evident like never before. With great liberty. Liberty is something that's central. We've got a program. It was sent to me. This is going to be happening. I like that. Because I like things in order. But sometimes we can even order out the presence of God. Sometimes it is that there needs to be such liberty that when we gather together with central of the fact our confidence is him, that we are willing to allow him to do his own unique work that's really what I'm talking about all my prayer would be bring back some Holy Ghost spontaneity bring back something of the Pentecostal fire where people are crying out what must we do to be saved and where backsliders return and where the conversation is like I spoke to you once about surely God is in this place and surely God is amongst us now let me talk to you about your testimony, shall I? Because you've all got a testimony. You've all got a story. Testimonies when God is central and the fire of God is burning within us should be authentic and appealing. The fire of God, it sorts out all the rubbish. 
It burns up all the dross. It lights up a flame and people know the real thing. You know what? That lady today, she'd know the real thing. She'd know those that that are genuine about their passion for the Lord and passion for the lost. People out there are not thick. Don't think that you've got it all together in the church because you haven't. You haven't. And people know somebody with an authentic testimony that is being real. I read a very fascinating article this last week that about 99% of people tell lies every day. And it's a fact. It's a fact. The article was by the BBC. Fascinating article, really. And it actually said that if you didn't tell lies, then the world had just come to a... Well, it'd be terrible. You imagine if we were having a conversation and bought a new shirt, like the one perhaps you're wearing now, and said, do you like it, John? Well, I wouldn't want to say no, would I? So I'd, I'd sidestep it. Nice shirt, though. <laughs> I'll do it, I'll do it. I've never done this before, but in this article it said, get your forefinger right and write a Q on your forehead. Write a Q, the letter Q. And now, don't tell me, but which eye did the line go over? The right one or the left one? See, over mine it was the right one. The right one. How many of you went the right one? Yeah, you know why? Because you think more about yourself than other people. That's what the article said. Because actually, a Q should go the other way. Because if you look at it, it wouldn't be a Q, you see. Fascinating article. Fascinating. You're all fibbers in this place, aren't you? And some of you say, well, I'm going to tell you. You know what's beautiful about church? We can be real. You see, I'm talking about having a passion and refuge in the Lord and all this kind of stuff. But it, it means that if you're going through a tough time, I saw my brother here the start of the service and he said just would you pray for me 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 knees are hurting that was real that's honest fantastic great your knee your knee how are they now they're still (laughs) i'm glad they're still there father we pray continue to touch my brother and his knees may the pain go in the name of jesus let there be something of your miraculous power happening today in jesus name i rang my wife last night and do you, know, do you know something about Andy? She's so good at telling me what to do. She's done it all her life. Tells me what I should eat, what I shouldn't eat. You're getting too fat. You're not doing this, doing that. And, and I've told her for the last few weeks, get to the doctors because her knees have been playing up. But she wouldn't. So women, you, I'm sorry, ladies, but you're very good at telling us what to do. And yet she... And so last night when I rang her, she said, oh, my legs are just absolute... So she says she's going to make an appointment for her knees this next week. So, But I tell you what I was talking about there is, that's real. See, Christians have got to be real. You can't... If you've got pain, you don't say, I haven't got any pain, all this stuff. No, no, you say... But you can believe that his trust is still in the Lord above man. Our confidence central to how we live our lives is that whatever happens, God is right there, central to it all. So your testimony and my testimony should be authentic. Your testimony, your story is worth telling. What a great what a great story yours is. What a great testimony it is. What a great ability to be able to at some time come alongside others and share something of what your journey has been.
Don't regret the journey that your life has taken you on. Embrace it. Put your confidence more in God than in man. And as Rick Warren says, preacher from the States, God never wastes a pain. So everything you've been through can be turned around for good as you make your testimony authentic and appealing. Our vision should be bigger than the things that we see when we've got, when we've got the fire of God within us. The fire of God should change our eyesight. It should make us see things differently. The, the fire of God and confidence in God above man helps us to dream a dream that is big. I've got a message. I don't think I've ever preached it here. I don't think I have. And the, the title of the message is, If you can't see what you don't yet see, you'll never see it. That's the title of the message, so you can imagine what it's like. If you can't see what you don't yet see, then you'll never see it. We, we have to see beyond a name change. The name change only helps to facilitate a bigger vision of what hasn't yet occurred. That's always the way with the pioneering of the church when the building was put up. This was seen before it was up. And you've got to see your life and you've got to see the church beyond what it is now. And it's the fire of God that does that. It's the centrality of putting your confidence in God more than man that does that. If you can't see what you don't yet see, then you'll never see it. So start seeing. Have you watched the TV program? We've been watching it, Andrew and I. The Secret Teacher. It's somebody that's become a multimillionaire, but was useless at school. Got kicked out of school, or didn't go to school, or was useless. And then they've made good of their life. And then they go back into a school, usually a difficult school, a troubled school, whereby they are secret and pretend to be a school assistant. And they're looking for several kids that remind them of themselves. Then at the end of the program, they usually give a load of money to the school to help it. And then they also take these two kids aside, whoever they've picked out, and they reveal who they really are and usually give them a job or give them something or put them on an apprenticeship. It really is, it really is very, very, very good. The point is this that when the, they pick out these kids, it's interesting because they, they all have got a similar kind of thing. They're perhaps being naughty at school. They're perhaps no good at mathematics or anything like that. But they all say, but one day, I'm going to prove my teachers wrong. I'm going to make something of my life. Usually it's in the realm of business. I'm going to become a millionaire or something like this. I remember being at school and I probably was like one of those kids, to be honest. I didn't go to school a great deal. I was in a very rough area on the outskirts of Coventry in a coal mining community. And yet, and I, I remember the teacher saying to me once, Parlington, no point in you staying on for the fifth form. You'll, you'll never do anything. What powerful words. Went in that ear and out the other. I thought, you're wrong, Jack, because his name was Jack, Jack Alderson. Still remember him be careful of the words you speak. Speak words of life over people. Speak words because some of the people that come in here may not fit in automatically. They could cause a few troubles, and, but you never know what God's going to do with them. And they could be the very ones that have got something within them whereby they can dream a dream. 
I'm still dreaming dreams, let me tell you. I've still got things within me that I want to see happen. And I just think that when the fire of God is there, and central is the fact of your confidence being in God more than trusting in man, then life can be very, very interesting. My time's gone, actually, and I've, I think you've got where I've really coming from. I'm talking about, and this is the first time I've been here since the name change. I'm talking about the church corporately, that the changing of a name in itself doesn't do a great deal. It's, it's a step. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a fresh start, if you like. It gives you opportunity to build vision, which is what Sujith is doing, gathering his team, having vision. Fantastic. Get behind it. But actually, the real thing that changes culture and the real thing that is required of any church and any individual, that means any family, is the centrality of what the Bible speaks about in its central verse, that it's better to trust and put your confidence in God than it is in man. And I've only taken one aspect of that. That is then a recognition that we need the person of the Holy Spirit. We need the fire of God. We need to recognize that him coming into our lives and doing something with us can actually cause us to have a passion for the Lord himself and the lost. And to live our lives powerfully with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Having our churches and our lives filled with real life and real liberty and real love. To have our testimonies that are real and authentic. Not trying to hide things, not kidding things. But are authentic and appealing. And that we go about seeing things from a different perspective. Because when the Lord is central, that's exactly what happens let me read to you this and then I'll close the dream that really matters is the one that's born of God that's founded in omnipotence and rooted in God's word this dream is made of miracles of things beyond today it forever leaves us speechless and takes our breath away it laughs at the impossible and says it can't be done Defying all the obstacles, it sees the battles won. It's bigger than our human mind, beyond what we can see. Yet even though invisible, it shapes what is to be. Its spirit can't be fettered. It has to go out free. It scales the highest mountain and spans the deepest sea. It refuses to be earthbound. Its wings are made to fly. It bears us up beyond the clouds. It reaches to the sky. The dream is God's own treasure. A gift to you and me. Let's run with it and live for it. Let's seize our destiny. The destiny of this church and the destiny of your life is that you answer this question. What's central to your life? What is it that is more important than anything else? Because when we put that right and align ourselves with others that are also getting that right, then anything at all is possible. And if nothing else today, remember that the book of books that contains so many wonderful truths has a central book that is called Psalms, has a central chapter that is chapter 118. 
And that provides us with a central verse in the whole of the Bible. And it's that that I want you to go with today. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man.